0: As I begin tonight, I'd like to begin by expressing appreciation. Many of you today have uh, said something about the lessons, and uh, I want to express my appreciation to you for your encouragement. But there's a reason behind that. Many of you are doing a great job of doing daily Bible reading, studying your Bibles, and then when you hear a lesson from God's Word, you accept it and take it in. And just like the people that are described at Berea, he said, These were more noble than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word with all readiness and searched the scriptures daily whether those things were so. And you are people who are great searchers, and I appreciate you for that. Tonight, we're going to continue in our discussion of favorite Bible passages We have considered two from the book of Genesis, and I thought about taking some that were in the historical books, but I decided to go ahead and skip to the book of Proverbs. And there's a good reason why. This past few weeks, as I have asked you to submit your favorite passages, seven of you submitted Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 through 7. It's just so interesting that that was already on my list as one of the ones that I wanted to preach on. And so this is a real favorite passage for many folks. And as you begin reading Proverbs chapter 3, I want to draw attention to verse 4. You always look at a passage in its context and you see what the writer is trying to say. And he's talking about what our real desire is if we're spiritually minded folks. Number one, we want to please God. We want to make God happy with the way we live, what we say, what we do. And then we also want to be respected by our fellow man. If you look at verse 4, he says, And so find favor in high esteem in the sight of God and man. That's what we're trying to do. We're trying to find favor in God's sight. We're trying for God to hold us in high esteem, to be like Job was when God looked down and he he said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? He held Job in high esteem. But as you start looking at the passages, you will find that in verses 1 and 2, he talks about the people who earn that high esteem and that favor in God's sight are people who respect their parents and their rules. Notice he says, My son, do not forget my law. But let your heart keep my commands. For length of days and long life and peace they will add to you. If you do what is right, you live according to God's laws, you will live an honorable life. You won't be in the pathway of sin and most of all, you will be a person who will be reasonably expected to have a long life. And you know, In Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 1, Children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that you may live long in the land which the Lord your God has promised you. But then you get to verse 3, and he talks about being honest and merciful. He said, Let not mercy and truth forsake you bind them around your neck, write them on the tablet of your heart. When you think about mercy and truth, we think about how we treat other people round about us. Being merciful means that we look at them and we try our best to treat them with the same attitude with which you and I want to be treated. Jesus taught that in Matthew chapter 7. And verse 12, As you would therefore that men should do to you, do you the same unto them. We want mercy. We want people to forgive. We want people to look at us and be willing to feel with our difficulties. If you go to Psalm 25 and verse 10, And the paths of the Lord are mercy and truth to such as keep His covenant and His testimonies. That's the pathway that God has set for man. Psalms 85 verse 10, Mercy and truth have met together. Righteousness and peace have kissed. And then Proverbs 14:22. Do they not go astray who devise evil? Mercy and truth belong to those who devise good. Now those are just three of the passages which talk about mercy and truth. But the text that we want to consider is found in verses 5 through 7. Brother W.C. did a great job reading them, but I want to focus your attention back to those words again. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will direct your paths. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. I think there are three important things that come from this section or this reading. Number one is deference to God. Making sure that we always defer to God's will, not our own. Number two is dependence. Trusting God. Number three will be that of direction. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. Let's look first of all at this idea of deference. To whom do we listen? Or perhaps maybe to ask it a little differently, to whom we do listen the most? When it comes to choices you will make, For instance, what you will do tomorrow, the kind of language you will use, the way you will conduct yourselves in business, the kind of stories that you will tell, the kind of associations you will have. What is it that guides you? Now the truth is most of us get conflicting messages from various sources. I know that there are people in my own life that are family that would say, I would do this, I would do that, and you listen to them. There are others that may be your friends and you find yourself in a difficult situation and they'll tell you, well, now if I were in your place, I would do this and I would do that. Some of us listen to television and radio and we listen to the various uh, talk show people and we listen to their messages. Maybe now you're reading the internet, you're reading Facebook and things such as that and you're reading the advice of people. But the truth is, God's message must be heard above all others. Yes, I may hear the message of my family. I may hear the message of my friends. I may hear the message of the famous people. But who am I really listening to? Who is really the, the one I'm giving deference to or to, or deferring to on my decisions? I want you to Listen. In Isaiah's day, there were people during that day who were trying to advise others how to decide the direction of the nation. And you know, there's a lot of people today in our country trying to decide how are we going to be viewed as a nation or as a people. And what are we going to listen to? Isaiah chapter 8 verse 19 says, And when they say to you, Seek those who are mediums and wizards, who whisper and mutter. Should not a people seek their God? Should they seek the dead on behalf of the living? To the law and to the testimony. If they do not speak according to this word, it is because there is no light in them. Today I am amazed That people are saying what we need to be listening to are the scientists. I don't know if many of you have heard or even kept up with what might have been happening in the area of England. Some of our brethren from Apologetics Press sent some material to England. It was passed out freely, no cost, no obligation. To those who wanted it, some books written by Brother Kyle Butt who was here with us last year. And it talked about how evolution is not true and some things such as that. And the people over there are irate. The two teachers that passed it out have been pulled out of the classroom. They're no longer allowed to teach. Those who are A part of the administration are saying, how dare you question the facts of science to suggest that evolution might not be true? And they're now mocking and making fun of the church and saying, we don't need to be listening to religious folks. We need to be secular. One of those who were commenting on that made the point is, everybody is going to listen to somebody. You're either going to listen to the atheist, or you're going to listen to God's people. And so you ask the question, to whom are you going to go? To whom are you going to listen? Isaiah 55, verses 8 and 9, God reminds him, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Think about God. What does God know? God knows more than all of us will ever know combined. You think about the combined volume of human knowledge. You take the brightest people in every field throughout this world and you put them together in one place and they are ignorant compared to God. God knows it all. And he knows it truly. He knows what is truth. Should I not listen to the one who made me, who knows me? Most certainly I should. In John chapter 6, Jesus fed a multitude of people. After he fed the multitude of people, he confronted them with regards to why they were there. And he said, I am the bread that has come down from heaven. That offended some of them because they were willing to accept a secular meal but they didn't want a spiritual lesson. And it says that from that time many walked with him no more. They left. They went away from him. And the Lord is going to look at his apostles. Very important section. He asked them, Do you also want to go away? But Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Also we have come to believe and know that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. How wise was that? Here are people who recognize Jesus is the one we need to be listening to. You want to know what you ought to do in life Read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and read what Jesus instructs us to do, particularly read the great Sermon on the Mount as the Lord addresses moral situations one right after another. Man's greatest challenge is to learn to defer to God instead of his own understanding. You know, that's, that's really tough for me. I don't know about you, but it is tough for me. Whenever I think that I see something and I know something, I want to think I'm right. You may say, well, that's arrogant, but I think everybody's that way. You may not admit it, but if you think you're right, you believe you're right. But man has to say, no, I'm going to follow what God has said even though I may not See what he is saying or know why he has said it. Now let me explain to you why that is so important. Do you remember these great people of the Old Testament? Remember Abraham and Sarah? When God told them to get up and leave their kindred and go to a land that he would give them afterward as an inheritance. And they got up and went not knowing whether they were going that's trust. They deferred to God's telling them what to do rather than their own sight. Listen to Proverbs twelve fifteen. The way of the fool is right in his own eyes. But he who heeds counsel is wise. Proverbs twenty six twelve. Do you see a man wise in his own eyes? There's more hope for a fool than for him. I chose just those two because of this morning's lesson. You and I are incredibly foolish if we always are doing what we think we ought to do. We ought to be listening to God, listening to counsel, and the directions that He provides. Isaiah five twenty one Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes and prudent in their own sight. Jeremiah ten twenty three O oh Lord, I know the way of man; it is not a man who walks to direct his own steps. What that means is, for each of us, we don't know what we ought to know. We're ignorant on a lot of things. You know, sometimes people come in and they start telling me, well, we're going to do this and this. You know what I tell them? We had a gentleman working on the units a few days ago, and he said, well, now this goes to this. I said, I'm going to do just whatever you tell me to do because you know a whole lot more than I do. You know, that's the way we ought to do with our moral choices to God. Whatever you say, that's what I'm going to do. Second Kings 5.11, listen to Naaman. Elisha had told him to go and dip himself in the river Jordan. And listen to the way he responds. Naaman became furious and went away and said, Indeed, I said to myself, he will surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over the place and heal the leprosy. He already had in his mind the way that it was going to take place. And no, that's not the way God was going to do it. Sometimes we have to realize God's ways are not our ways, and we've got to do it God's ways. That's what deference means. But number two is dependence. And I would say that most of us seek independence. We want independence to provide for our own needs. We want to make our own decisions. We want our own way. And for that reason we are not very dependent. But the truth is, it's hard to learn to depend on God because that requires trust. Someone tells us, "Hey, I am going to take care of you. I will if you're in the water and you're, they're saying, I'm going to get you to the other side, now you're going to have to let go and let me take care of you. Do you want to let go? A few years ago, several years ago, I carried a group of kids from the congregation where I was preaching to float the Buffalo River. And there was a young lady, her canoe turned over. And the water was very swift and she was hanging on to a limb. And I said, let go and I'll catch you. She says, I can't. I'm scared of the water. Somebody reminded her there were snakes in the trees. (laughs) And then she was paralyzed by two fears. Afraid of the water and afraid of snakes. Finally, she did trust me enough to turn loose. I caught her, pulled her back to the bank. They got back in their canoe and we went on. For us to sometimes turn loose and let us trust God, that's tough for us. Listen to Psalms 146, verse 3. Do not put your trust in princes, nor in the Son of Man, or I, Son of Man, in whom there is no help. His spirit departs, he returns to his earth. In the very days his plans perish. Happy is he who is God of Jacob for his help, whose hope is in the Lord his God. You see, he's telling us, if you trust man, you can't depend on man. Man's going to die on you. And whatever plans, whatever goals he had to be able to help you, when he's gone, they're gone. But you can depend on God. Proverbs eleven twenty eight says, He who trusts in riches will fall, but the righteous will flourish like foliage. Hebrews 13 and verse 5. The Hebrew writer is getting very near the end of the book, last chapter. And he's trying to remind them that they can trust in God. And he says, let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. And here's his explanation. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Where did he say that? You go back to the book of Joshua, to chapter 1 and verse 5, and he's reassuring Joshua. He says, No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. You search all the way through the Bible, from the book of Genesis through the end of Revelation 22, and you will find a God that you can depend upon. What else you will find is many times you can't depend upon man. In Isaiah 31 and verse 1, Woe to those who go down to Egypt for help and rely on horses and who trust in chariots because there are many and in horsemen because they are very strong. But do not look to the Holy One of Israel nor seek the Lord. You see, they want to put trust in physical things. Isaiah 50 verse 10, Who among you fears the Lord? Who obeys the voice of His servant? Who walks in darkness and has no light? Let him trust in the name of the Lord and rely upon His God. Folks, it's really about dependence. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. That means being willing to let go and depend upon God. In 2 Chronicles 32, verse 8, With Him is an arm of flesh, but with us, the Lord our God, to help us... And to fight our battles. And the people were strengthened by the words of Hezekiah the king of Judah. Hezekiah said, don't worry about the army of the Assyrians. God's going to take care of you. He's only got physical weapons. We've got a God much more powerful. Number three, direction. If you will allow God, he'll direct your paths. If you go, for instance, to Psalm 32, verses 8 through 11, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will guide you with my eye. Do not be like the horse or the mule, which have no understanding, which must be harnessed with bit and bridle, else they will not come near you. Many sorrows shall be to the wicked. But he who trusts in the Lord, mercy shall surround him. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, you righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. God said, if you'll let me, I'll guide you, I'll direct you. Now some people, you have to grab a hold of them and put a bit in their mouth and you have to put a bridle on them and you have to pull them kicking and screaming. God said, don't do that. Let me guide you. Psalm 31, 1 through 3. In you, O Lord, I put my trust. Let me never be ashamed. Deliver me in your righteousness. Bow down your ear to me. Deliver me speedily. Be the rock of my refuge, a fortress of defense to save me. For you are my rock and my fortress. Therefore, for your name's sake, lead me and guide me. When you have the psalmist saying, God, I know that you are smarter than I. Lead me, guide me. In all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He will direct your paths. Verse 7, Psalm 119, 105 said, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. You see, the Word of God, the Bible, is that great guiding Word from God. Psalm 25, verse 4, Show me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. But some people refuse. God is here. He's willing and ready if you will take His Word to lead you, to guide you, to direct you how that you ought to live. And some great preachers like Jeremiah from the Old Testament, that great prophet, told them He said, thus says the Lord, stand in the way and see and ask for the old paths. Where is the good way? And walk in it and you'll find rest for your souls. But they said, we will not walk in it. Tonight, you really have a choice. You can choose to in all your ways acknowledge Him. In every thought that you have to say, Lord, direct me, guide me. I'm going to read your Word. And whatever I find there, that's what I am going to do. We're on a journey through life. And we all need to recognize our need for help. Trust God for guidance and direction. If you'll take your songbooks books out now, what greater preface to the invitation could you have than the great message that is found in Proverbs chapter 3 verses 5 through 7. To let God guide you and direct you. He's going to do that not through some mystical means. He's going to do it through His Word. And what you learn through God's Word is is that you and I are all sinners. We're all on the same level All of us are dependent upon God for our own salvation. And I have to be willing to acknowledge that I am in need. That I have to believe, to trust Jesus as the Christ, the Son of the living God. John 8 verse 24, Jesus said, If you don't believe that I am He, you will die in your sins. I have to be willing to turn because I have been convicted of You see, I recognize I am a sinner and my mind says no longer am I going to participate in those things. That's what repentance involves. To take my mouth and to confess the sweet name of Jesus, to be willing to say I believe that He is the Son of the living God as the eunuch did in Acts 8 and verse 37. And then to be baptized for the remission of sins, Acts 2 and verse 38. The message of the cross to those who are perishing is a message of salvation. Many times those of us who are His children, though, have somehow let the world creep back into our lives. Sin gets a stranglehold on us. It's hard for us to let it go. Part of the problem is, is that we become wise in our own eyes. We've chosen to do what we want to do. And folks, it requires some humility for us to acknowledge the fact that I made a mistake. I tried to do it my way rather than God's way. And I realize now the mistake that I have made. And I want God's forgiveness. If you need to repent and us to pray for you, we'll be glad to do that. Would you come while we stand and sing?